hate to be that person, but can I get a drink? Yeah. So like gas station? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, we'll go to the gas station first. So we went to the Stansbury Mountain over there because that's the only permit we could get for the Christmas tree permit. They have them for like Heber. Uh, we went to Nephi last time, which was really fun. We've only done Heber and Nephi and then they have them in Logan or Layton, not Logan. And then out here and I was like, well, might as well do that because other ones were sold out. So we like the mo more popular ones. Were so we went to this one and we we're like, oh, because you can only get a juniper tree and it's more like sagebrushy instead of like the pine. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's the needles are soft and oh. instead of pokey, which I'm like, hey, if we're putting on lights, it's kind of nice. Yeah. So I was like a little bummed that it wasn't like the traditional pine looking, you know? Yeah, but then every year each tree looks different. Every last year was literally the most perfect tree we've ever had so this is like my most favorite tradition ever the very first tree we got when we got married was jacked it was like the ugliest Wasn't it tree like half burnt yeah it was like half dead but last year was the most perfect like shape tree yeah. in the world and then this year it I, I won't know until it's in the house and I'm trying to put lights on it. What's weird is like out in the mountains, you know, you're, you're looking for a tree and you can't really tell what it looks like. Right. <laughs> like it sounds stupid. Well, you but... don't know how tall it really is either. Yeah, we just measure by like if it, because Josh is like barely six foot. And so I'm like, hey, if it's a little bit taller than Josh, then it's perfect. So I make him stand oh, yeah. up next to all these trees. But out there, they look tiny. Yeah. And then you're like looking at these big giant ones that would fill up my living room. And I'm like, that's the perfect tree. And he's like, that's not going to work. <laughs> okay. Want anything? Uh, nope. I'm good. I got us some chips. I don't know if you like these. Sour cream and onion? Yeah. Yeah. I tolerate them, I'll be honest. What? I mean, like, sour cream and onion is good, but I think that the best way to have it is with Pringles. Lay's? Well, I missed <laughs> I missed the opportunity to get the right thing. Oh, yeah, you did. Shut up. Sorry, I just stuck my garbage just wherever. You ready for this? Wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is episode seven of Haunt and Cold, and we're your hosts. Katie and April and each week we travel to different haunted locations around Utah and along the way April tells us a true crime story that's local yeah so I guess you've already told us how you are but how are you other than that <laughs> <laughs> um good Christmas has begun dude you know what's weird is I haven't I put my Christmas up yesterday really I've been listening to Christmas music for three weeks, but I haven't decorated for Christmas, which is weird for me, until yesterday, because I didn't have to cook anything. So yesterday was Thanksgiving for us. Yeah, so I didn't cook anything. Did you guys go anywhere? We went to the uh, my in-laws. We went to Josh's family's house. You didn't have to cook anything? No. Really? She asked me to bring drinks, but that's because, listen, they're the best cooks on the planet. Don't they fight over the skins? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when we first got married. No, it was before we got married. We were just dating. And I went to their house for Thanksgiving. We were just chilling. And Sandy, my mother-in-law, was just cooking her turkey. And then all of a sudden I hear from the kitchen, skin! <laughs> and they all ran to the kitchen and just, like, like devoured the skin of the turkey. This is 
weird. Like, what in the heck? Like, everyone was just so excited. But, hey, don't knock it till you try it because it's literally so good. Because she... She helped me cook a turkey one year, so I, I now understand kind of how she does it. I didn't do as well as she does, but, mm-hmm. like, she just butters it, and then every couple hours she adds more butter on the skin, like, on oh. the top. So she keeps adding butter until, like, the inside temperature is the right temperature. Okay. And so the skin is just, <laughs> like, I it sounds gross, but it's so good. And now I understand. So they're the best cooks in the world. And so they're like, So yeah. she was like, you, you bring the ice. <laughs> yeah, you can bring the drinks. Because <laughs> there requires zero cooking. And I'm like, okay. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything yesterday because our our Thanksgiving... So, okay, mine and April's family, like our parents and our two other siblings and then their families... And our families, we did a Thanksgiving on Sunday, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So that's what freed up our Thanksgiving day to have with our in-laws. But my Thanksgiving with my in-laws got canceled because my father-in-law is actually in the hospital with COVID. <gasps> he is? Yeah. Is it bad? It's it's not great. Um, but they're trying to get him to go home today. Oh. So that's good. He's been there for two nights. He says that his oxygen levels keep dipping and his heart rate keeps dipping. And uh, is he on oxygen? He's on oxygen. That's scary. It is really scary. So yeah, we didn't celebrate Thanksgiving with them. And then Luke and Aspen, they're going to their dad's for Thanksgiving dinner that night. So I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'll just cook a, a Thanksgiving roast. <laughs> oh. For lunch. How did? How was it? It was really good. Yeah. I was I was decorating for Christmas all day until I went to On the Bennett's. Thanksgiving? On Thanksgiving. <laughs> because I was like, with with the my vendor show coming up, I'm not gonna have time any other day. So I'm like, this is the day I'm taking off. Right. So I have to decorate today or it's never gonna happen. And then I'll be so upset if I don't decorate for Christmas. So right. decorated on Thanksgiving, and that's how it happened. Hope everybody else had a great Thanksgiving. Yeah. And on to Christmas. Can you believe how fast this year went? So fast. Okay. Here's my story. Are you ready? I'm ready. So, trigger warning, acts of violence towards indigenous people. So, in the light of Thanksgiving, I thought, well, this is a big problem right now, is missing and murdered indigenous women or people it's scary it's and really look into it it's scary right i feel so like naive so like with with like the gabby petito case how it was broadcasted everywhere and like you know she's a young white woman and then like having uh tribes say um excuse me we have all these young women that are missing like wake up it's yeah. not just these white girls it's we there's so many different like communities that have missing people like we can't just focus on one we gotta look for them all yeah. you know yeah. and it kind of made me feel like bad because I was I was like wrapped up in the Gabby Petito case like I was like what happened like what's going on you know yeah. but like there needs to be that kind of like urgency for yeah. everyone I agree. that's missing and it's, it's frustrating. So, 
I, so forewarning, I have a couple cases that I'm going to talk about today to give you two different stories of issues with, okay. with this uh, whole scenario. So the first story I want to talk about happened February 1967, so about 50 years ago. 30-year-old Myrtle Bear Pete. Have you heard of her? No. Okay. So Myrtle Bear Pete, she was a mother to a 14-month-old. Uh, she had been missing for nearly two days until her beaten body was found on Skull Valley Road on the Skull Valley Reservation. She was found just 300 yards from her home. So the Skull Valley Indian Reservation is in Tooele County, actually. It's approximately 45 miles southwest of Salt Lake City, and it's inhabited by the Skull Valley Band of Goshu Indians of Utah, a federally recognized tribe. Oh, I should say my resources for this, Salt Lake Tribune, Salt Lake City Weekly, Indian Country Today, Fox 13, The Daily Utah Chronicle, JusticeForNativeWomen.com, and KSL.com. Let's see. Um, Myrtle was 30 years old, okay, so she had been gone for two days, and then she's found on this road by her father, sister, and niece. So, Mary Allen was her niece. She is, she is a former vice chair on the Skull Valley Band of Go Shoots, and she was remembering when she was a child and her Aunt Myrtle's body was found. Her grandfather told her to stay in the car when they spotted her body on the side of the road. The Salt Lake City Weekly article quotes Mary Allen saying, I remember my grandpa was there and it was cold. It was in February. There was snow. I mean, a lot of snow. My mom and grandpa were out there and everyone was screaming and crying. Wow. She didn't actually see the body, but she saw the blood-stained snow and knew that it was bad. The Salt Lake Tribune article reported that Myrtle had a broken shoulder, a broken arm, and possible broken neck, which led Twilla County investigators to believe she'd been hit, hit by a car or something. Uh, she, she had abrasions on her arms and knees and mud on her shoes, which the police believed Myrtle may have tried to crawl to her house from the road. Yeah. I believe that she was hit by a car and then... She tried to crawl home. Do they know if she was, like, dragged to the side of the road? Like, was it a hit? Obviously, it was a hit and run, but, like, do you think someone knew that it was a person and didn't want to be pegged for homicide or whatever? And then... Honestly, they... So, Mary said that her mom, so Myrtle's sister, um, said that she had been beaten pretty badly. She... Don't, they don't believe that it was a hit and run. Oh. They think that she was intentionally murdered. I see. But the but the police think it was a hit and run. Okay. A February 7th, 1967 Salt Lake Tribune article released a small blip in the paper saying her cause of death was death by exposure. Exposure? Like to the elements? Yeah. <laughs> the investigation by police basically ended there. There was no investigation of where she had been for the last two days. She had a broken shoulder, a broken arm, and a broken neck. But her actual cause of death, the reason why she died, was because of exposure due to the elements. But every other aspect of her, her situation points to something else happened. Right. To... I mean, like, to, to lead to exposure. Like, yeah. it's not like she just laid on the ground and just, like, decided not to get back up. No, right. like, something happened to her. Yes. But the investigation ended. They didn't do anything else. They just said, oh, must have just been a car. And she just 
didn't make it to the house. Like Mary Ellen's mother said nothing more was done by police, and she said, quote, because we're native and we're not a high priority. The grandfather said, quote, oh, they don't care about us. We're just Indians on the reservation. They don't care. Um, Neither the Tooele County Sheriff's Department nor the FBI have records on Myrtle Pete's case. They have no record of investigating it. They didn't write it down. They didn't make it a a report. What? It was 50 years ago. It was in the 60s. But you'd think they'd say, oh, you know, we were investigating this case. This is what we found. Even if it was that short. But there's nothing. That's messed up. Right. That's like blatant disregard for this woman's life. Let's see. No one really knows what happened to her, um, where she was for the two days, why she was badly beaten. She was hit by a drunk driver. Was she, you know, in a domestic dispute? What happened? No one knows. And it ends there. So do they know where she went missing from? Just, I mean, she just didn't come home for two days. And like, like, none of the articles say where they thought she was so maybe it was normal for her to be like not around i don't i don't know it didn't say again, if you have a 14 year old child 14 month old that's what i meant 14 yeah. month old child like you don't go missing for that long right you have to have an excuse though like if you have a baby you can't just like not not have people know where you are and what you know so 50 years later mary still visits her aunt's resting place she sprinkles water on her grave because i guess water is meant to represent purity she burns sweet grass at the spot where myrtle bear pete was found to give her peace Um, unfortunately, there's not much else to report on that story because it's, it's cold. So if you have any information regarding the murder of Myrtle Bear Pete, you're encouraged to contact the Tooele County Sheriff at 435-882-5600. This is one of the thousands of cases of the lack of closure Native American families experience across the country. Like, it is way too common. A lot of the articles I was reading were, you know, people who are trying to make a difference with the missing and murdered Indigenous women. Task forces and and all that, you know, they say, it's not uncommon. Like, you can talk to anybody in that community and they'd say, oh yeah, my mom was murdered. My grandma was shot. You know, like, my uncle went missing. Like, almost everybody in that community has a story like that, and that's not okay. Well, and I heard once, which I don't know how much truth there is to this, because I've only heard it, like, once. But I heard that people who are obviously sick in the head, but they want to, like, practice, I guess, killing someone, will go to the reservations. Really? And find their victim. Like, I've heard that that is actually a thing. Oh like, my god. I wonder if it's because they're like, I mean, it's a, it's a, the likelihood of you getting caught is slim. Yeah. I don't know, but that is awful. Oh, that makes me so sad. That makes me so upset. Like, it's that, that most people know that not much is going to happen. Yeah. And that they can get away with something like that. It really is and sickening. And they're still getting away with it. Yeah. It's 2021, you guys. Let's take care of each other. (laughs) You know? Like, what's going on? We should not be getting away with shit at this point. No! And, oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm gonna get heated. It's gonna get (laughs) rough. Okay. 
Jennifer Boyce, a Native American activist representing Pandos, which is the Peaceful Advocates for Native Dialogue and Organizing Support, she said, quote, Whenever we go missing or if we're murdered, there's a lot of confusion about jurisdiction on whose case it belongs to if it belongs to local police departments or if it belongs to the FBI. A study by the Urban Indian Health Institute found that 506 indigenous women have either gone missing or were murdered in 71 cities in Utah. Whoa. Yeah. I was expecting you to say like a a larger area, like in the United States. Salt Lake City was among the top 10 cities with 24... Oh, sorry. Oh my gosh. Beep, boop, bop. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, A study by the Urban Indian Health Institute found that 506 indigenous women have either gone missing or were murdered in 71 cities in the United States. (laughs) Sorry. Salt Lake City was among the top 10 cities with 24 cases. So 24 out of the 71 cases are in Utah. That's pretty bad. That's Um, Detective Greg Wilking with the Salt Lake City Police Department said that the numbers didn't seem quite accurate. He was like, hold on a second, that's a big number. The Urban Indian Health Institute failed to look at circumstances in each case. Some were accidental deaths, like on a work site, or solved missing persons cases, like they came back home or they were found. Further evaluation revealed the actual number was two homicides, but police admit uniform of reporting guidelines is a problem across the state. So they they just need to be way better at their reporting across the board with like honestly better at everything when it comes to anything indigenous. Yeah, for real. Better. We need to do better. Like it's it's blatant. I feel like with social media, it's becoming more uh, in your face, and it should be like. They, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but with social media, they have TikToks and Facebook groups and all of the stuff that, like, people join and watch and see, but the more people that, that join will have more understanding of these issues and be better allies, just like with any other minority that, you know, we want to support and take care of, you know, we really need to learn about the learn a, learn about what's going on you know like you don't know everything that's happening and you can't but the more you immerse yourself into the communities around you the more you'll understand like where they're coming from another issue is poor relations between police and native communities um detective wilking agrees that there's a problem between them and the Lake city police department is working on helping tribal leaders get the resources they need to solve these cases because the native have their own like police type uh people like law enforcement yeah but they don't have enough numbers or resources they don't have the same tools that our police departments have but if they could work together then they'd have all the resources yeah you know but it's just like everyone's fighting over jurisdiction and who's taking over what case and whatever but it's like don't you know, get in your head about it, guys. Let's yeah. just work together to figure it out. It's like so many stories, not even just about the indigenous people, but like across the board, if like po- like local police departments weren't so nervous about the FBI taking over their cases, they're like, no, this is ours. It's like, why not take on more numbers? Why not have more people working on this so it gets solved instead of there being mistakes or there being... Probably pride. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. If you can bring in the FBI or more uh, departments to help you on a case, why not? Because guaranteed the families just want answers. Yeah. They just want it to be solved. They don't care who's in charge. They just want to know that it's being looked into and taken care of. I mean, I'm sure there's like circumstances that we're not quite aware of because I'm not a police officer. I don't really understand all of those things. I'm not an investigator. Surprise, surprise. But, like, I feel like if there was more communication between all parties, cases would probably get solved quicker with more efficiency, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but that's, I don't, I know nothing about anything. It's just my, my unprofessional and uneducated opinion. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Yeah, so take that or leave it. Okay. Um, let's see. It's common... That law enforcement within the reservations, yeah, do not have the numbers, blah, blah, blah. We're seeing it more now after the Gabby Petito case that minorities are fighting for cases in their communities to be seen and heard and to find their missing loved ones or to solve crimes against their communities, but they just don't get the same airtime as the young white women. Um, These communities have found that social media, like I just said, is really helping their case. They can share and reshare missing persons cases, photos and stories through many platforms instead of relying on the media. (sighs) I'm sorry about this. This sucks. Okay. Not only are indigenous women getting murdered at a disgustingly high rate, but they are also victims of domestic violence, physical and sexual violence, sex trafficking, etc. Yeah, the trafficking. I've heard about that one. Did you know? Dude, I was up late last night reading about this. <laughs> Let me just tell you. I'll, I'm not going to go into details, but it's rough. Did you know that Christopher Columbus literally started sex trafficking in the Americas of indigenous people? Well, I don't know if it was him, but I have read about indigenous people uh, being sold as slaves to the two people in Spain. Yeah. Is that what that's about? Yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Like, it, it's so upsetting. He not only enslaved the, uh, I can't remember what they're called. I should have wrote it down. But there was, like, a group that he met when he got to the Americas. He not only enslaved them for labor in gold mines, but he and his men raided villages for sex and sport as oh. young as 9 and 10 years old. <gasps> 9 and 10 years old? Yeah. And he sold them to the people that he brought to America. Whoa. Yep, 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 yep. I hate him so much. He would use the men as slave labor, right? And if they got sick or injured, he would feed them to the dogs. Oh my gosh. And then if he, or if if any of the women got pregnant because they were sex slaves, uh-huh. he would feed the babies to the dogs. <gasps> Katie... Like, I was, like, mouth dropped. Like, I was, like, are you effing kidding me? They would take the baby. Like, I can't tell you. I'm sorry, I can't. It's, it's, it made me sick. I wonder if that's why they took away Christopher Columbus Day. They didn't. They want to. Oh, I thought they did. Did they? I thought so. I read an article just that all Native American um, people that they cringe on Christopher Columbus Day because of this. Oh, I would, I am. I'm cringing. I am. That he's, like, celebrated. I, I hope that Christopher Columbus Day no longer exists forever until the end of time. Oh my gosh. Oh, <sighs> okay. It makes me sick. But this is, like, I mean, that 
brutal of treatment. It's not as common, obviously, but the sex trafficking is still happening. But sexual violence towards Native Americans is also way too high. I mean, sexual violence towards anybody, not cool, not okay ever. But, I mean, it's, it's the numbers and the percentages are higher than any other um, minority. Wow. Do you think that's because, do you think that's because uh, it's not being patrolled like we were talking about? I feel like it's probably because it's not, just like you were talking about with the crime being easier, I'm sure that, like, it's just easier to take them. Because, I mean, people look for them within their tribe, but the media isn't all over it so that it's a little bit more under the radar because the effing radar is prejudice yeah jeez exactly okay now leads me to my next story which is awful so I don't I'm not going into detail okay um but you can look it up if you want um it's not sex trafficking but it's sexual violence towards indigenous women okay Take a deep breath because it's awful. I hate it so much. On July 17th, 2015 in West Valley, Utah, Jaden Sturzer, who's 15, knocked on the door of the vigil home around midnight and 12-year-old Kaylee Vigil answered the door. He asked her to help find his missing pregnant cat. Um, Kaylee's sister and mother started looking for her shortly after when she didn't return. Um, She reported... Uh, let's see. Kaylee's mother reported her daughter missing to a police officer at a convenience store around 1.30 a.m. So at around midnight, this kid is like, hey, can you help me find my cat? And this little girl's like, yeah, I'll help you. Like midnight, though. Yeah, there's a lot of people saying, like, why would she be out at midnight? And, you know, yeah. but I mean. I don't know. Every I don't know. neighborhood is different. Yeah, I mean. Some neighborhoods are way trusting, you know, it's like, okay. And it was during the summer, so it's possible that it was just like, oh, whatever. How old was she? 12. Okay. I mean, you know, I was out at midnight at 12 in our neighborhood, so. Yeah, so was I. Yeah. Um, okay. Nam, nam, nam. So, her mom and sister were looking for, they found a police officer at a local convenience store as they were looking and they got help from the police, and just two hours later, Kaylee's body was found. Whoa. Yeah. That's really fast. Right. Sturzer led Kaylee to an overgrown pasture about half a mile from her home where he sexually assaulted her and strangled her. Ugh. DNA on Kaylee's body matched Sturzer, according to charging documents. Uh, Sturzer had been in trouble with juvenile court since the age of 10 years old and was on court-ordered house arrest at the time of the girl's death. Wow. So he shouldn't have been out. Honestly, she shouldn't have been out. And I guess he asked multiple girls in the neighborhood just before he asked her. So, like, he was didn't care who it was. Whoever was willing to go with him, he'd take them and do the same thing. So, so sad. Yeah. Scary. Right? So, Sturzer had been unable to stand trial at one point to get a psych evaluation to determine if he knew and understand right from wrong. And they found, in addition to partial fetal, fetal alcohol disorder, he had a number of cognitive impairments and a low IQ, leaving him cognitively at about a third grade level at 15 years old. Wow. He made a deal with prosecutors. I, I don't want to go into the details of how she was found. It's really awful. Like, yeah. she was 12. Like, it's, it, 
is upsetting. So he made a deal with prosecutors. He admitted in juvenile court that he raped Kaylee. He pled guilty as an adult to first-degree felony charge of murder, reduced from a count of aggravated murder and an additional charge of sexual abuse of a child, a second-degree felony. So the adult conviction carried prison time, but he was 15 years old. So he was going to be in the juvenile detention center until he was 21 years old. Then... Uh, he'll be resentenced once he's 21. But at age 18, he punched a youth center employee and put him in a chokehold, which caused his sentencing to be moved sooner. The judge ordered Sturzer to at least 15 years and up to life in prison for the murder charge and a concurrent sentence of at least one and up to 15 years for the sexual abuse. Wow. Might be a dumb question, but you said that he had a, like a, he was at like a third grade level at 15. Yeah. Does he stay at a third grade level like as he gets older? Um, I don't know. They didn't say, but he kept getting in trouble. Okay. Like he was just a problem child. I want to believe all people are good most of the time and situations in their life like lead them in a wrong direction. This kid had like, sounds like he had, you know, fetal alcohol disorder. Um, which, you know, messes with a lot of stuff going on in the brain. Right, um, like a thought process. Yeah, low IQ. Like, he knew and understood what he did was wrong, but didn't seem to have the compassion or care that he did something wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. So he just kept getting into trouble. Orlando Vigil, the father of Kaylee, said, quote, I didn't know evil could come so young, but evil came knocking on my door that night. Oh. I know. Oh. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, American Indian and Alaskan Native women are two and a half times more likely to experience violent crimes and two times more likely to experience sexual violence than any other ethnicity. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The FBI reports 565 actively missing Indigenous women in 2018. The numbers kind of vary from one article to another, but it's still close to about 5 to 550 missing women in the United States. And then 25 in Utah, but I I think her name was Kayla Blackbird, was found. Oh. Recently. She came home. But I couldn't understand or know why or where she was. Like, there wasn't a story on what happened, what happened to her. But she would was missing for a few months just recently and then came home. Wow. But she she was a part of a lot of these, these articles when she was missing. Okay. But anyway, so Kaylee Vigil's uncle, he, I believe, is one of the leaders of the Ghost Shoot tribe. He thought that it was, what is it called? It was racially motivated, but because the Sturzer, he went around to other girls and tried to get them to go with him before that as well. Ooh, (laughs) I could tell that's the spooky house that we're going. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you look at all these normal houses, and it's like, that one looks scary. So, because he had asked other girls who were not... Yeah, it indigenous. It, it was more random. Yeah, but it still is a part of the sexual violence towards these women and these people. It's it's a problem and it's awful and scary. Yeah. Urban Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Committee is determined to make their voices heard, take control of how they're viewed by the world because so many, you know, popular media sees indigenous women in, in a certain light and they're trying to make it different and show the 
the true um, indigenous way and how they live and who they are instead of having the stereotypical, you know, view. Yeah, I, I don't know if you noticed, but on our Hot and Cold podcast Instagram page, I'm actually following a lot of indigenous uh, pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's, I actually started following um, Missing and Murdered Women, oh, sorry, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Utah on Facebook. They hold meetings and marches held with Native and non-Native allies, so you can join that Facebook group, you can stay informed. They post events, they post Missing Women in Utah, and it's good to be in the know. But, let's see, oh, they have, I wish I got the guy's name, so they're doing this, um, photo thing so how they're viewed by the public they have a photographer that they're working with and they're taking pictures of women who have been affected by physical violence sexual violence or discrimination of any way but they're doing photos like photo shoots with these indigenous women and showing them in a more true light and it's so cool I wish I got the name of it um I will put it in one of our stories um so here are some resources for indigenous women the national indigenous women's resource center you can find at um www.niwrc.com org is an organization whose goal is to end violence against, against indigenous women and children. You can also follow Pandos slash MMIW, so Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women of Utah. They're a nonprofit activist group. They offer support to families as well as organize activism campaigns. And you can go to Pandos.org for that. You can also go to Strong Hearts Native Helpline, uh, the Strong Hearts Native Helpline is a dating and domestic violence help center offering culturally appropriate resources and advocacy for American Indians and Alaskan Natives. That hotline is 1-844-7-NATIVE. N-A-T-I-V-E. Nice. And that's my story. I'm so sorry. No, that was like that was really good. It's hard. Some of these stories just don't have a lot of information. Like, but that's the problem. I know. That's that's the issue. Is that there's not like okay, where were they last seen? Who were they with? Who were their people? You know, like, and then um, what were they wearing when they went missing? What? it's there's just you knew everything about Gabby Petito. You knew everything about her. I. I had the hardest time finding any information about these 25 cases in Utah. This That was an example of how it should have happened. Immediately yeah. they should get help. But they weren't living on a reservation. They were living in West Valley. They were part of the tribe. But when you're living on a reservation, the likelihood of you getting help that quickly is pretty slim. Mm-hmm. That's really upsetting. And it's like, what, what can you do? To, yeah. And I guess just as a people, just not ignoring issues yeah follow local tribe facebook groups or instagram accounts or tiktoks even they do stories on tiktoks of missing women just search it in your local area and find you know communities that you can support either financially or hey if they post a missing flyer and they're holding like searches or something join the searches they need the numbers they need people on their side because they're not getting the media attention share everything on facebook let's help these people out for god's sakes we took their land the least we can do is protect them you know like at the very absolute least we should be protecting them and helping them with everything that we can do because yuck gosh i know what you mean though 
it's really upsetting. But like you were saying before too, like if you don't know, look it up. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't know how to help or if you don't know like what's going on, yeah. look it up. You know how to look up freaking a recipe for some random cake. I'm sure you can look up how to support and how to help find missing people. Yeah, they did a like an event or a march in Park City and like there were people with shirts and stuff for Kaylee, the oh. little girl. Even though that wasn't racially, racially motivated, it's still heavy on their hearts because it's girl in their community obviously but join those things honestly domestic violence between couples and native families is pretty common as well i i was reading a quote from one of the community leaders they were saying like within their own communities there's a lot of violence as well between families and it's just kind of heartbreaking because you just it's it's like with any relationship though as if your communication sucks you know then you have issues but like men in general have a hard time acknowledging that they are feeling a certain way mm -hmm. because it's not manly and it's not okay to be vulnerable mm -hmm. in that way so they have to be tough and they have to be the one in charge I don't know how to explain yeah. it but like it's it's alpha. yeah it's pretty hard to like like we all have very similar issues we're all human imagine that imagine that oh it's sad well do you want to um, describe where we are? We're at the creepiest effing house I've ever seen. Yeah. There's holes in the ceiling. Is there? Hold on, let me get a closer look. Oh, uh, yeah. That I bet there's freaking bats. <laughs> all the windows and doors are boarded up. And there's vines all up the house. Honestly, that's like what gives it the creepy vibe. I mean, the boarded up windows and the broken glass and all yeah. that. It looks like a like a mansion, like a like a mini mansion, kind of. Mhm. Mm it is pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have to tell you more about it. Yeah. Start my story. Would you though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you know like what town we're in? Bountiful. You know, the weird thing is when I did my research, everything that I could read. So that this house was across the street from Viewmont High School. I don't see a high school anywhere I don't in see it eyesight. But I know for sure this is the house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where Viewmont. Well, maybe we'll go find it later. Okay. But this is called the Anson Call slash Viewmont House. Oh. And it's on 1201 North, 200 West in Bountiful, Utah. And it was built in 1859, and it was the finest of its time. It looks pretty fine. It's pretty fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a duplex. <laughs> it's a duplex? It's a duplex. Where's the other door? I'm wondering if it's in the back, because on the side you can see there's like a driveway with like a gate. Oh, yeah. So maybe if you go back there might be... A different entrance? Yep. I don't... I don't know. Okay. Um, so do you want to know about the people who used to live here? Yeah, I'm ex I, if the window wasn't boarded up, I'd expect to see someone staring at us. Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay, so Anson Call was the first person to live here. Okay. Him and his wives and children. Uh, what are those? He was, <laughs> uh, he was born in Vermont. Uh, he married his first wife and then joined the LDS church. So his first wife. I bet she were. was pissed That's off. Like, I thinking this entire time, like, writing my notes, I'm like... This first wife did not know what she was getting herself into. No. I mean, who knows? Like, I, didn't, I didn't read anything about her opinions on things or like what. Because women weren't allowed to have those. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, and like I also read, I, we'll get to it later, but I also read that the first wife, they called her Aunt, whatever her first name was. I It was in my original notes. <laughs> <laughs> We're that. struggling with yeah. our notes these days. This is Mary. That sounds right to me. But I believe it. Anyway, so she was the main wife, the OG wife. Okay. With all the kids, with the other wives, all the kids saw her as a motherly figure. Like, over their own moms? Or I don't know if it was over them, but like they all In addition say, oh, yeah, to. It was, it was Aunt, I think it was Mary. But Aunt They call so, them aunts. I mean, I. Yeah. I don't know if that's with every family, but it seems like Anson's family was a little different than other. Families. Oh, they're a little quirky. They're a little, yeah, a little quirky. <laughs> that's the right word for it. Um, one thing that makes Anson call <laughs> kind of weird is okay so see that like window above the front door yes not the half circle one but the other one like above above that yeah so that used to be instead of a window it used to be a decorative beehive they removed it and then Anson Call actually built a room there and it's the prayer room oh yeah so he would take the scriptures literally I guess somewhere in there it's facing east like the temples it is facing east but that prayer room, so I guess he took the scriptures literally and said that you have to pray in secret. He would have a prayer room designated, so if it was your time to go pray, you go to that room. And guess how you get to that room? Uh, you walk in. It's, there's a door behind a closet that leads to a small staircase to get to that room. <gasps> it's a hidden staircase! Yeah. Man, I just want secret things in my house. (laughs) Not for any important purpose. I mean, I guess I have a laundry chute. (laughs) You have a laundry chute? You didn't know that? It's in my bathroom, the little door under the window, and you open it and you shove your laundry down there. I didn't know that. That's why my bathroom's so clean, (laughs) because I just shove it down there. If If your bathroom is below, or... Hold on. Directions are confusing. If your bathroom is above your laundry Uh area, you should look into it. It's magical. I will have to look into Mm -hmm. it. You just put a basket under the the tube. Yeah. And it falls right in. Is it like PVC? It's like a duct. Okay, duct. Yeah. That's the most secret, fascinating thing of my house is I have a laundry chute. Do the boys know about it? Yeah. Do they fit in it? Levi has tried crawling into it, but it scares me because I don't want them to fall in. Yeah. They'll break their legs at the bottom. That's what I'm scared of. Yeah. And Levi's tried. Levi's tried. I mean, does that surprise you at all? No. Yeah. Not at all. Um, So, yeah, there's a prayer room. Another spooky thing I think about this house, there's a room in the house that has locks on the outside of the door. And in two different articles that I read, Anson would actually lock up his wives whenever they were not living um, the law of Christ. Yuck. And he would say, go in there until you're right with God. And he would lock them up. And he got to determine when they were right with God, mm-hmm. of course. Well, he was the one unlocking the doors. So yeah. But, okay, I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> okay. People's opinions of this house are very different. It's either black or it's white. Okay. And the people that have done paranormal investigations here think that whatever entity is here is dark. People who have not done paranormal investigations here and also know the family and their descendants say, oh, no, like, there's nothing weird going on here. Of course not. that family was awesome. And, like, I'm sure their descendants are lovely. I'm just saying. Like, at the time saying, oh no, it was such a great family, blah, 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 blah. Everyone has dark 
past yeah. everyone. And all I'm saying is, is that there are a few red flags with Mr. Anson Call that I'm like, uh, that's abusive. The first clue is having multiple wives. Yeah. Red flag number one. Red flag number two. Having locks outside of a door and locking people up. Red flag number three, having a hidden prayer room. Number four, if you can believe it or not, there is supposedly underground tunnels to this house. No! Yeah. Where do they go? Uh, to different places throughout Bountiful. No! Yeah. It's closed up and you Dang can't it. access it, so they say. Don't Honestly, okay, listen. Why does everyone have to ruin the fun by closing up all these secret things? I mean... Okay, but like, <laughs> let it be, let it be a guided tour through these tunnels. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I will pay mm-hmm. to go through a tunnel underground, see where they go, right, and know the secrets. Yeah. <sighs> so, do you want to know what he used these tunnels for? At least as far as we know. Um, to hide his mole rats. Um, he actually so. Polygamy ended for the LDS Church in 1890. He lived in this house from. Well, he died in 1890. But these underground tunnels, what he would use them for is to get throughout Bountiful without being seen in public with his wives. Oh, because it wasn't okay anymore. It wasn't okay at the very end there. I don't really know exactly all the history behind all that, but that's what it was for. That's what I could read. And I guess the tunnels lead to other houses in Bountiful that were part of the polygamist group. Should we make an underground tunnel to our houses? It would be like yeah. a three-day walk from American Fort to Twilla. Well, I'll be there in a minute. Or you know what we could do is like, you know those like tunnel things that they have at the bank? <laughs> yeah, it's like just an air. Yeah, just put ourselves in a tube and say, okay, I'll see you in a minute. And then... And then you pop out. Yeah. Can you imagine? You're basically just being flushed. Like, <laughs> yeah. from Twilight American Park. You know Jurassic Park, when the newer ones? I haven't seen it. Any of them. None of them. Not even a wink. Okay, well, in one of the newer ones, they're in these, like, self-driving, like, globe things. So, oh. it's like a two-seat circle. So, sphere yeah yeah they're inside of it and they're driving it and it's rolling but they're staying like still in my brain of the future that's how we get around balls yeah but for people i dig it that's gotta be better for the environment you think the plastic yeah make out of hemp (laughs) yeah i don't know what you'd make it out of but it's completely clear but i think that would be cool and then you could just drive it yeah on our underground tunnel that we're not doing. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Anyway, where was I? What were we talking about? Oh, his underground tunnels were to other houses. Yep. You know, I don't know if I mentioned this or not because I'm all over the place with my notes <laughs> now. But Anson Call, he, let's just talk about him for a second. Okay. So he was born in Vermont. He married his first wife and joined the LDS church. And he actually ended up being really close friends with Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. Hmm. Uh-huh. And it's really funny because, like, I didn't put in these notes. Like, <laughs> 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 Why do you write two sets of well, notes? because I start, I, I get going and then I'm just like, honestly, is this even important? And then I'm like, no, it's not. And then later, I t- after I've taken it out, I'm talking to you about it. And I'm like, you know what's funny? Because <laughs> I want to tell you about this yeah. thing. <laughs> Let me just, because, okay, the thing is, is that a lot of my notes dealing with Anson Call was very religious. Yeah. And I just didn't want to go down that route. Again. Again. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, ah, it's not important to this house, right? Oh, right. Okay. But let me just tell you something. Real quick. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Real quick. So, okay, you know how they were part of, like, the uh, Freemasons and yeah. stuff? Okay, so they had a, 
a meeting, and I can't remember if it was in Illinois or Iowa, but... Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Idaho are all the same thing to me. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say Arkansas. (laughs) That's that's one. That's one state that I keep forgetting exists. (laughs) Well, I was thinking, I'm like, what's another one starts with I? I'm like, it's probably Arkansas because I don't know anything about Arkansas. (laughs) It's not Arkansas. (laughs) Arkansas. Oh, this made me think of Urkel. And I do that. <laughs> oh uh, my gosh, that's funny. So anyway, they had a meeting in one of these states. I don't know which one it was. <laughs> but it was a Freemason meeting. And I guess during this meeting, Anson Call was there and Joseph Smith, as well as like 50 other dudes. And they're talking about this new, I don't know, I don't know exactly. He had a prophecy that this was before they all got burned out in Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. He had a prophecy that everybody's going to go west and climb the Rocky Mountains and drink from the clear glaciers. Go build cities. And they're like, yeah. Anyway, so it ended up happening, but it's like, I don't know, if you just kind of wonder, I can cut all this stuff out, but it just makes <laughs> you wonder if like the prophecy, so like did he purposely try to get the government and whoever burned them out of Missouri like all rifled up so they can get burned out so this prophecy comes true? You know what I mean? Yeah. They like kind of like made things happen so that other things could happen. So you can be like, see, you told you so, and it's like, but you did that. Like you made it worse than it needed to be. Yeah. And cause things to happen so that we had to go somewhere else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's problematic. They were like best friends, right? Anson Call, he was one of the Mormon pioneers that trekked west to the Utah Territory and arrived here in 1850 and built this house about nine years after he settled Bountiful. Because he was actually one of the settlers or one of like the There's founders of Bountiful. What? He's watching us. Oh. Although it is associates under 24 hours surveillance, so maybe they're... Whatever, we're on, we're on the street, just parked. And we're just talking, we're not doing anything. Yeah, we're not trespassing. Um, so Anson Call, he also served in the Nauvoo Legion and was actually a guard for the fortification in Echo Canyon during the Utah War. You can refer to episode 4 to learn about the Utah War. Yeah, yeah. gnarly. Um, this is the worst war we've ever seen. <laughs> Fun fact about this house. One of the men who were responsible for the Mountain Meadows Massacre stayed a night here with the Call family before going to Brigham Young to tell him what happened. Mm. So that has a little bit of dark. Which remember how we were talking about, I can't remember which episode it was, but how like sometimes what you bring or like the environment, yeah. you know? And I wonder if, like, Anson Call, if he wasn't so great of a dude as a lot of people say he was. Like, and there was a lot of negativity in the home. And then he, then somebody comes and stays a night who just massacred 120 people. Right. And hasn't, like, confessed to his crimes or anything yet. You know what I mean? So I just yeah. wonder if it's just, like, packing in all this negative. Yeah. Negative, untold energy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just makes me wonder. Uh, Anson Call died in this house on August 31st of 1890 in his bedroom. For most of his life, he was a leader of the LDS Church, practiced polygamy, and settled a lot of different towns around Utah, such as Bountiful, Fillmore, Box Elder, and Davis Counties. Oh, in this house also, some of Anson Call's children died of smallpox, and one of his wives died in the house as well. Oh, sad. Uh, right now, it's owned by the Kingston family. Do you know who they are? No. They're a polygamous family. They're all in the news. I just Googled Kingston family, and I was like, okay, I've seen enough. <laughs> oh, there's shoot. A lot of, there's a lot of, like, scandals with them. I mean... Apparently. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
they just choose to have I don't know okay never mind um so this house is has been abandoned since the explosion that happened on July 4th of 1997 according to a news article done by Deseret News the title of the news article is fiery fourth home goes up in flames and apparently Luana Kingston was sitting in the living room when all of a sudden she heard a loud bang and felt as if the floor had lifted. Even her neighbors felt it. The explosion was caused by a gas leak in the basement. Supposedly it was a water heater that ignited it. Which is super scary. Yeah. Everyone knows okay, no injuries. But since then, the house has been completely abandoned. And right now it's only open for ghost tours. And that's only by permission only. Like, the owners have to allow you to do the ghost tours. I want to do one. I know, doesn't that sound fun? Is there a way you can, like, look up where to do it? Like, yeah. where to get permission? Yeah. I'm sure you can look it up. I don't know. We, I didn't we should do up. it. We should. One of these days. That'd be way fun, huh? So, ghost adventures. <laughs> ah. <laughs> allegedly. Which I'm going to say allegedly a lot in this whole thing. But allegedly, a local ghost hunter told the Ghost Adventures team that this house was the Ted Bundy house to try to convince them to come out to investigate it, so they did. And on season 19, episode 4, they were doing a serial killer series type of thing, and they wanted to do one for Ted Bundy, so they did an episode here and said that one of Ted Bundy's victims was abducted from Beaumont High School parking lot and then taken to this house where she was killed. And so that Ted claimed to have been possessed by a demonic entity before he committed his crime. Um, and they suspected that this demon is still in this house. But the problem is, <laughs> is that this house still had residents in it when all that was happening. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was just a rumor and Ghost Adventures didn't research it. Didn't, nothing. They was like, okay, we believe you and just came out and did it. And like the locals hate that episode. Because they're like, none of it is true. Like... Ted Bundy did not kill her here. It was an Anson Call house. Like, it has Mormon history. Yeah. Not serial killer history, as far as we know. They just want to make it, like, popular and yeah. exciting episode about the most popular freaking serial killer mm -hmm. ever. Exactly. So, that really spread a lot of false information. Of course. Way to go, Ghost Adventures. Yeah, Zach. Get it together. <laughs> so I actually was talking with someone on a Facebook post, and she was mentioning that Ted Bundy claim, and she was like, it makes me so upset. And I'm like, yeah, I want to stay away from that, like, for this podcast. So do you have any other information? So she sent me a message, and I'm just going to read. I'm just going to quote her whole thing. Okay, what was your name? Uh, her name is Cricket W. Hi, Cricket. Yeah. She says, my friend Cindy, along with her mother and three sisters, lived here. Uh, she was eight years old at the time, and, oh, she was eight years old at the time that Debbie Kent was murdered. At no time did Ted Bundy ever enter that home. Cindy's oldest sister saw a man standing on the stairs. Startled, she called out to her mom, and the man disappeared. Cindy's sister, just younger than her, saw two girls playing in the living room. When the girls noticed they were being watched, they too disappeared. My friend's younger, younger sister was hit in the head by a white object that flew out of the wall. It just came out of nowhere and left a pretty good-sized goose egg on her head. And it says, my sister lived in the duplex part of the house. She would experience disembodied voices and hearing footsteps when no one was there. Sometimes being touched or had her hair stroked. 
it was never anything evil. Um, hmm. I saw in a KUTV news article that Cindy Cadman was interviewed and said that she moved into this house when she was eight and says it was definitely haunted. And from her own words said, one time we were in the living room and a white ball just flew out of the wall. Like so, an orb? Like an orb or, well it said that her, her friend quoted her saying that it hit her in the head and left a goose egg. Oh, so it's like a literal white ball. Yeah. Oh, okay. Weird, huh? Yeah. I watched a video done by Paranone, and they're a paranormal investigation team here in Utah, and they posted their investigation on YouTube. Their equipment kept turning off. There was a train set upstairs. When they were setting up, it kept turning itself on. Ooh. One of the investigator investigators asked, are there any kids here? And with their spirit box, they heard no. Their spirit box also picked up You're Dead. Ooh. They heard rocks being thrown down a metal chute. The investigators definitely implied that this is Anson Call's spirit who haunts this location. That's what I meant. It's like the investigators are like, no, there's something dark here, and, and we think that Anson Call is here. Like mm -hmm. it's his spirit, and it's not good. Yeah. Which makes me wonder. I'm like, I kind of wonder if like people thought things are all peachy from the outside when they really weren't on the inside. Yeah. I mean, that's usually the case with. I mean, why would there be underground tunnels? Like, why would you want to keep your wives out of public? Yeah. You know, like where there bruises. Right. That, that's just where my head goes. I mean, not that that was ever claimed. It just points in a really funny direction. Also. Yeah, a really interesting way to, you know, keep your life so secret. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And it wasn't even, like, frowned upon by the church yet because he didn't die till 1890, and that's the year that the LDS church outlawed it. Hmm. So, who knows? But this paranormal group, they heard unexplainable noises like floor creaking, a baby cry, and whispering outside around the property. Oh, wow. Creaking. Did they have it recorded? Yeah. It's on their uh, YouTube video. Oh, I'll have to See, go watch it. Yep. Susan M., she's a Facebook user that I was also chatting with. She said that she investigated this house earlier this year and warned to stay away from the active portals in the living room. She mentioned that she caught a child's laughter in the upstairs bedrooms during her investigation as well. Which, I didn't find any other information about these, like, portals in the front room. But I did see on a diff on different comments, I think three different people said, like, yeah, I had a medium go there once, and they're like, stay away. Like, you need to be really careful here. So there, it seems like a lot of mediums have been here, and they do a lot of work here. War well, but, like, portals. What is the, I mean... I don't know. I could not find anything else besides that one comma. I was like, uh, just be careful about... The portals in the living room <laughs> i'm like okay i'll watch my step <laughs> uh, yeah like <laughs> you know? oh i'm gonna trip over it like, <laughs> yeah, what? like what do you mean watch out <laughs> <laughs> just don't go in there or... uh -huh. i mean how do you watch out for a portal if you can't see it <laughs> i should follow up yeah what do you mean can you give me instructions <laughs> on, like maybe like um how, how big is it <laughs> Well, maybe this is what she means. So there's okay. one more one more thing I have to tell about for this house. Okay. Um, Facebook user Katie C. told me about one of her experiences here. And she said it was last year around November, which it's November right now. It is November. <laughs> my friends and I decided to go see the Anson Call House because my best friend and I heard Ted Bundy supposedly lived in there and had murdered someone. Rumors. Yeah. We are huge crime fans, so we just wanted to investigate on our own. Our other friend, we will call him Ricky for privacy purposes, thought it would be funny to bring a Ouija board with him. No. I grew up never wanting to mess up Ouija boards and telling myself they didn't work to calm, to keep myself calm. Mm -hmm. Anyways, my best friend, who we can call Lily, Ricky and I decided, why not try the board? <laughs> 
A little backstory, Lily's grandma had passed away a few months before this experience. We walked out the front door and sat down and visited for a minute and talked about Bundy. Ricky decided we would play the board. All three of us sat quietly and op opened up the spirit board and listened. Before we could ask the first question, a loud knock came from inside the door. We tried shaking it off as something and something explainable and continued on. We started asking the spirit board questions such as, if there was someone here, we ask you speak with us. And, is there anyone else here? At first we didn't get a response, but then out of nowhere, the planchette answered with the word Rosie. Me and Ricky were confused and went to ask who Rosie was, until I had looked up and seen Lily's face turn pale. She told us Rosie was my grandma's nickname that I called her that no one else really knew. I got frightened by her reaction and told them I didn't feel like playing anymore. We said goodbye and stopped playing. Lily and I decided to look around the building and noticed the upstairs window appeared to glow faintly. When we finally called out to the window, another knock pounded on the door and it was much louder than before. When we looked back up it almost seemed as if a silhouette of a man was standing in the window peering down at us. We walked back up to the front door and listened. Lily and I heard footsteps slamming down the stairs as if someone was running towards us <laughs> and then a pound on the door. I jumped back and felt this awful feeling in my entire body as if something was pushing me to leave. Lily and Ricky decided to play one more time with the spirit board. I'm not so sure they asked but Lily... I'm not so sure what they asked but Lily asked it one final question and an angry slam came from the wall of the outside walls of the house frightening her so badly she ripped off she ripped her hands off the board as she did this well as she did this ricky's face became pale he grew very angry she realized she took her hands off quickly put them on and said goodbye we listened to the footsteps and started leaving the overwhelming feeling of dread washed washed over all of us i felt trapped as if as we all left we saw the same silhouette in the window none of us have wanted to go back ever since and never talk about how how terrified it made all of us even speaking of it to this day it gives me chills and it's an experience i'll never forget that's spooky and you know what makes me think is like you know how she like took her hands off the planchette and then uh rick Ricky's face got like pale and angry mm -hmm. like isn't there a rule that you have to like keep your hands on or something I have no you had like you have to say goodbye before you mm -hmm. release your hands so she didn't like go in depth about it but like where he got pale and looked angry like was that him taking on emotions from another spirit you know I don't know that is spooky I wonder oh Ouija boards man mm -hmm. I can't do it like <laughs> I can't yeah. do it I could oh but I, like, I can do the dowsing rods, but the Ouija boards freak me out. No, because, like, you hear horror stories of, like, if you do it wrong, you're going to open a portal. Maybe that's what the portal's all yeah. about. They did it. They... What's your name? Katie? Why? Oh, you mean the person who said there's uh, portals? Yeah. Um, no, no, the one who did the Ouija board. Oh, yeah, her name is Katie. Katie and Ricky and Lily. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah, the person who said that there is portals, let me just... Well, it's Cricket, right? No, that's no. Susan M. I'm getting y'all confused, but thank Cricket you. It's a friend of Cindy. Who oh, right. Right, right, right. Back when Ted was around. It's cool that you get people, like, helping you out. I know. That's really cool. Seriously, and if you're listening to this, seriously, thank you so much for your information. And I hope I hope you like, I hope I did it well. Yeah, that's a spooky. I want to do a thing. An investigation? Yeah. We'll have to talk to the owners. I did uh, talk to somebody who did investigations with the Paranoan group. And I think he was actually in the video that I watched. Oh. So maybe I can talk with them and be like, how may my sister come? Can we come to... Yeah, you don't know us, but... We just really want to hang out with yeah. <laughs> ghosts. 
yeah. guess. Like, we won't even we won't even make trouble. No, no trouble from these no. <laughs> from these kids. No. no, no, we're good ones. No, we just we just want to chill and watch and get spooked. Honestly, yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening to episode seven of Haunting Cold. And oh, by the way, sorry about last week. That was Josh's fault. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Yes, I forced him to do a Bring Your Own Booze episode. Yes, he refused to do it before <laughs> the deadline. Yes, I was mad at him. We did it like the day after. So we did a Monday after the Sunday we were supposed to post it because he was like sitting there and me and Katie are getting all set up. He's like, you know, I'm just not really feeling it. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean you're not feeling it? And he's like, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. And I'm like, uh, you can't just not feel it right now because we got to do this. Like, can you write it down? Yeah. I'm like, can you tell me and I'll tell her, like, we'll do telephone and I'll just like, you know, he couldn't. He was just like, no, I just don't want to. And I'm like, I hate you so much right now. And so we're like, you know what? It's a holiday week. Yeah. <laughs> So we took took it off, I guess. But yeah. And so Josh's episode will be after this episode. Yes, that's right. He's very nervous about it. Has yeah. he listened to it? He hasn't listened to the draft yet. And oh. he's just like, I can't listen to myself. I'm going to hate everything about myself it, if I listen to it. It turned out fine. Yeah, it was fine. He's a little nervous, but it's okay. Yeah, he, he was nervous. And he's not good about going into detail. He just says, yeah, there was a ghost. And, it, and that's it. Yeah, I'm like, can you tell us anything else? <laughs> No, I turned out. Yeah, we we had fun with it. It was yeah. a good conversation. It was fun. Uh, check us out on Instagram at Haunting Cold Podcast. Check us out on Patreon. Pretty sure you can just search Haunting Cold. Haunting Cold. <laughs> Write in your personal paranormal or true crime stories to stories at hauntingcold.com. You will have to tell us whether or not you want to be on a recorded episode or if you want us just to read your story. Yes verify please that way we can do whatever makes you more comfortable yeah. but if we feature your story we'll still send you send you a drink yes yep um if it's if it's done remotely we have a way that we can either door dash something to you we can maybe send you a gift card to so you your own drink we'll figure it out we'll figure it out we haven't we haven't we haven't figured it out yet <laughs> so but we will but we will it'll be a learning experience for all of us and we'll do it together and we'll we may embarrass ourselves a little bit here and there but that's fine yeah. that's fine it's totally fine so we hope you all had a great thanksgiving hope you're having a fine <laughs> black friday <laughs> yeah i hope your friday is the greatest of all of them frugal black friday yeah don't spend Shop all your, don't spend all your money in one place this is financial advice from the poorest person you know <laughs> where i spend all my money in one place i spend all my money equally amongst all places yeah until it's gone i'm giving my money to everyone i spread it out real <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> with your two dollars you get 50 cents you get 50 cents <laughs> oh my gosh thanks uh, i guess okay uh-huh. bye